Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's so good to see you on camera, all the names that are off camera. I'm glad to be here, really glad to be here. And uh, some of you may have heard I was involved in a car accident on Thursday. It was pretty serious. The damage to the vehicle was massive. Uh, you would ask me, how did it happen? To be honest, I really don't know. Uh, the details are still being worked out. All I know is I was making a lane change and I got sideswiped and that spun me. Ended up hitting the uh, cement guard at uh, the 407 exit at Bayview and spun me, not rolled me, but just spun me a little bit and ended up facing the oncoming traffic against the shoulder. But the airbags deployed, the seat belts held me in place, and God and his angels in your prayers protected me, and I'm here to tell you about it. So ended up walking away, not on a stretcher, neck brace, or hospitalized. So all of that is good, good news. The rest is just physical stuff. We'll deal with all that. But I uh, wanted to thank you for your text messages. Some of you called. I'm sorry I was just relaxing yesterday and I didn't take any calls. I didn't answer any messages directly. I just answered a few of the groups. I trust you understand, but I'm feeling much better. Thank you and glad to be here. So let's uh, come to the Lord and pray and uh, we'll get right into the word. I believe uh, I have something that the Lord has been speaking to me about that uh, will touch us all. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that, in fact, as we were just singing, you, your spirit in our lives, takes us, grabs a hold of us, wraps your arms around us, you who is a good father, move us from glory to glory. So as we come to your word this afternoon, we just ask, Lord, that you open, we open our hearts to you. And we ask you, Lord, to speak to our inner person, speak to our spirit. And may the work of your spirit that we agree with cause a change in our hearts, in our minds, and in our behavior, in our actions. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, I'm sure most of you remember, today is the first Sunday of August. It is August 1st. And uh, as such, we will be sharing communion together. And uh, if you don't have your elements ready, Please take a moment and uh, get those ready, and we'll be able to celebrate communion together. While we're waiting, uh, I can tell you a couple of jokes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you heard about the uh, Christian. Anyway, uh, this Christian walks into a bar. You'd think he'd see it. Never mind. I guess you didn't get that. Sure, they got that one. 
Maybe you got that one. Okay. All right. Uh, as you know, I've been sharing with you from the scripture, and this has been my theme for the last four sermons that I've shared with you. Some of you are probably expecting Rob to be speaking today. We swapped the schedule uh, to accommodate something coming up in September that I'll be involved with, but I'll keep you posted on that. I'll be sharing uh, the word at the Armenian Evangelical Church in September sometime. And in the meantime, we wanted to sort of align for that. So uh, Rob will be here next week, and uh, he will actually be uh, leading communion, uh, and we will be leading communion together today, rather. And uh, we will be sharing that. It's an expression of our oneness as expressed uh, through also what I'll be sharing with you. I shared this last few weeks. This has been my, my theme focus from uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all with unveiled faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Being is a continual tense. It's not are transformed, which is a fact that's done. It's not a past tense were transformed. It's not a will be transformed. It's a being transformed. We are in a process The process is what I've been talking to you about as to the process that the Lord has put in place to allow us each, as the word says, we all, each one of us, not just the new believers, not just the longtime believers, not just the pastors or the small group leaders or the worship leaders, we all are being transformed into the same image, which is his image. And I shared with you how uh, when I was listening to people comparing who a baby looks like, used to bother me until the Lord helped me realize that that's how he feels about us. He rejoices when he sees us look like our daddy. He rejoices when he sees us look like we are being shaped into the image of the Lord. And that is us moving from glory to glory, just as the Lord is, uh, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And I shared with you that there is a gap that exists or, or a leakage that happens between encounters and moments of tough, uh, of, of uh, touching us with his Spirit and moments where we begin to leak as we walk away from that experience. So I wanted to talk to you about the process, and this is what I've been talking about. The, the Lord knows that we are human and we leak, so he's put a process in place. And uh, these slides are not unfamiliar to you. You've seen these now for the fourth week. And uh, the focus that I was talking about, this process that moves us from glory to glory, is what Scripture talks about as things that happened in the Old Testament that the Lord gave Israel. But now we have the pattern in the New Testament where we see it in the book of Acts, where each day, it wasn't just in the feast days, it wasn't just on the holidays like uh, Passover or Pentecost that the Israelites would come together to celebrate, 
But each day, this process is ongoing in our lives to move us from glory to glory. Thank you, Sujin, for underscoring that today. Uh, thank you with uh, what you were uh, leading us in. So every day, there's a process, there are steps, and we walk through them. And uh, I, I shared with you that these processes uh, when we were looking at them, these processes, they were basically, I've taken this from the book of Acts, chapter 2, and chap, uh, chapter two near the, the verses of 22 to 27. And they are the things that the disciples were doing, not just the disciples, sorry, but all the believers were doing when they were together in Jerusalem. They devoted themselves to the teachings. And I thank you for being here. And uh, it makes it a joy on my heart, and I'm sure Rob's heart and your cell group leaders' hearts when we see us come together to eat this spiritual food together. And uh, uh, the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer, both personal, individual prayers in our closets and corporate prayers within a setting together. That's something that we as a church need to work on, and we will, to bring us together from moments of corporate prayer. And that's not something that's reserved for the intercessors or the prayer warriors. It's something that we all elevate into together. I was blessed uh, in New York. There's the uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle. Uh, the pastor has been so fervent about leading the church in prayer. And Tuesday nights, the church meets for prayer. It is difficult to get in to the building on Tuesday nights because the church comes out in large numbers. And a lot of people want to visit and take that in as to how a church prays together when the sanctuary is filled to capacity and people are waiting outside to get in. May that be our experience. Maybe we come to that not just a reserved few that are the prayer intercessors and warriors, but all of us to come together corporately. And they used to do both. They used to meet together to pray and pray alone on their own and praising God. And uh, Rob took us through the breaking of bread. I share, And then uh, uh, he, he shared also about prayer. And uh, I talked to you about uh, the devotion to teaching. I want to focus today on fellowship. Fellowship. What is the fellowshipping that they were doing? So in the next half hour, I hope to establish this point to motivate us to action. Okay. I want to ask you this question. This was a survey that was conducted in Canada and the U.S., and the results of the survey are the following. The four most common reasons someone attends a particular church. Think about that as I answer the, the, the question. And uh, as surveys would go, these ones are all the letter P, as in the first one being people. This is something that we have all been involved with. We attend church because of the people that we know. But before you sort of pick the reason, 
uh, out of the four that are the most common, I want to warn you, don't get too invested in that reason because I have something else that I want to focus on other than these four. Some people go to church because someone invited them. Some people go to that particular church because of others that attend that church. These are relationship-based reasons to attend the church, and they're wonderful. Uh, we're all part of families. We're all part of the family because of the people that are in that family. It's not because we made the choice, but because our parents have had us, and we're part of that family. Uh, it's the same with the church. Uh, there is uh, reasons that we belong to a specific church because of the people that we know. And now we have been as though adopted into this one church family that we are in together. So people, some individuals make a choice of this being their church, not City River, but a particular church being their church because of the programs that the church offers. They have an amazing Sunday school program. They have an amazing choir I want to go to Brooklyn Tabernacle because they have an amazing prayer program. If that was your intent in New York, you would have missed the point because prayer isn't a program for them. But there are different programs. And some people actually shop for churches based on the programs that the church offers. And I'm not condemning that. I mean, we all have our requirements, our needs, and we look for these things. Uh, some people attend the church because of the personalities in the church. I remember in Egypt, uh, the church that my parents were married in was known by its pastor's name. And many churches here are known by their pastor's names. I resist that because I don't want the church to be about an individual. But some people attend the church because of the preaching of an individual, because of the leadership of an individual, and that's personality. Others attend it because of the place, how close they live to the place, or how magnificent the place is, or how much stained glass it has, or how many organ pipes it has in the back, and all of these different, or how much money they invested, or themselves, or their families invested in building that building. And uh, there's an attachment uh, there was a, uh, uh, a building that was built, and there was so much fundraising that every chair and every room and everything, including the air conditioner, had a name plaque donated by such and such a person or such and such a family. I've always wondered, what will happen when that air conditioner breaks and they have to replace it? What are they going to do with that plaque? People get attached to people, programs, personalities, and places. And those are all good reasons. They are practical reasons. But I'm calling us today as City River to rise higher, to go higher. Uh, all of those reasons are provisional. They are what the church provides me. They are what the church does to help me and my need, me and my family. And uh, that's all wonderful. And we all need that in our lives. We all need the uh, input that we get from the church. But there is another thing. There's something totally different. If that is the relationship that we have with our own physical families, 
people in our family would look at us as very self-centered. I'm not going to use the S word as selfish, but self-centered. So I'm urging us today as City River not to despise these things, not to not look for them, but to not make them the real priority, another P, as to why we are part of the City River Church family. Let's go higher than provision. Let's look at vision. Now you're going to tell me, is there a vision statement for City River? Well, I don't think we've articulated one yet. And we probably won't for the next little while. We don't have a vision statement that everybody knows, oh yeah, this is what this church is about. But we do know that there is something that we're doing that is a little bit different than other places or other church bodies. So if you go to our website, cityriver.com, you've probably seen this picture. And for those of you who the, the screen is very small and you can't read it, it says one river, many streams. So right away, looking at that, without us making a vision statement, you know that there is this thing that we value called unity. And unity is at the core of everything that we do. City River is not one church. It is three churches. Three churches, and my hand is visible now. It is three churches that have deliberately intended to work together, walk together, function together, serve together, worship together. Together is at the heart of everything that we do. But sometimes we may make the mistake of thinking that we're doing unity for unity's sake. Unity for its own sake is just warm and fuzzy. It makes you feel good. But we're not doing it for unity's sake. We're not three churches because of uh, working together. We're not three churches working together because it is more practical. It's actually more difficult. It's more difficult to prefer the other over yourself as three churches and three leadership boards. I want to commend and honor our elders and our overseers for all three churches for making the choice to work together. It's easier to just be on your own and not have to worry about any other church. The Armenian church has opened its door and and shared, shared its facilities with the rest of the churches. I honor you for that. Uh, Acts has come in in full force and in worship and in teaching. And uh, we are enjoying in, in youth ministry and student ministry. And we're all benefiting from that. TCLG has brought in uh, leadership and uh, uh, workers and, and has helped. Before Acts came in, it was just the two. And has helped foster an environment that vision was beginning to develop. And we started to discover this walk in unity. We pursue unity, not for unity's sake, but it is because it's our desire to be part of the answer of Jesus' prayer in John 17. And what is that prayer? Jesus prayed these words. 
my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Guess what? If you don't think that Jesus ever prayed for you, this is proof that he has prayed for you specifically because you have believed through their message. So know that Jesus prays for you. And it's not just this prayer. He is your high priest, my high priest, sitting at the right hand of the Father, constantly praying for us, making intercession for us. I pray for also for those who will believe in me through their message. What is he praying? That all of them may be one. So we wanted the unity because Jesus prayed for it. And we want to be part of that answer. Father, just as you are in me and I, uh, you are in me and I in you, I am in you, may they also be in us. And this is it right here coming up. The reason we pursue unity isn't for unity's sake. It's so that the world may believe that the Father sent Jesus. He prayed it. May they be one that the world may know that you have sent me. This is why we are so serious about pursuing unity. This is why we're all intentionally paying a price to pursue unity, putting all our preferences aside, putting all our focus on how we can serve the other so that the other can be lifted higher. Our desire is by doing that, we will see people saved. We will see people who are on their way to hell change and become on their way to heaven. That is why fellowship is so critical. That is why our relationships are so vital. How we behave with one another, how we express our heart to one another, how we are shaping ourselves and posturing ourselves in relationship, in fellowship. So what is fellowship? Is it what we do 15 minutes between 11.15 and 11.30? No. That's not fellowship. That's just like us standing in that tight foyer before the service and having a coffee and some nice snacks before we get started or after the service. That's not fellowship. That's just interaction. You would get the same thing if you're at a theater during the intermission. You'd see some friends and you talk about it. You know, and, and there you have people, you have uh, personalities on the screen and you have uh, uh, the place. If it's a nice theater, the nice decor, nice sound, and uh, the program is great. You get all four of those P's there. But this is not fellowship. Fellowship is what's described in Acts chapter 2 when they each day they continue to do something. It's an interaction of life. It's a meeting of hearts. And what it, it says in Acts chapter 2 is that they met continually together. Now, we don't meet together every day. Our lives in North America don't allow for that. Our distances between us, physical distance between us, doesn't allow us to see each other every day. 
But in the city of Jerusalem, where you can walk everywhere at that time, they could see each other every day. And they did that by going to the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes. Now, these are critical things, breaking bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere heart. I shared that with you last week. And in chapter 4, it says that they, uh, with great power, the apostles continued to testify of the resurrection of the Lord. And God's grace was upon, uh, was working powerfully at work in them all. So there was the teaching that was happening, and the result of that teaching, which was the work of God in their lives, which is bringing transformation, which is going from glory to glory. And there was no needy among them. All their nets, uh, their their nets, their needs were met. Their mets were nets. Anyway, all of their needs were being met as they were in relationship with one another. Are all our needs met? It doesn't say financial here alone, but even though financially they did things that were unique in that time. Our times are different today, and that's a whole different discussion as to what it means that they sell houses and bring the money at the apostles' feet. That's an entire different discussion I'm not going to get into today. So, looking at some verses that would help us understand what fellowship is. In Hebrews verse uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 10 and, uh, 24 and 25, we read these, verse, uh, these words. And let us continue, uh, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. The writer of Hebrews, probably Paul, is encouraging them to be an encouragement to one another. Earlier before the service, I was asking Jacob about what their biking that they did this weekend. Blows my mind. They covered the whole city. How many kilometers was that? 70? Jacob, just something crazy. 85 kilometers. Hats off to you, dude. 85 kilometers, not meters, a thousand times that. 85 kilometers. I listened to that, and it spurs me on. Uh, How does it spur spur me on? Well, I'm going to get on my bike today. I'm going to do something about it. But there's something in fellowship to spur one another on to what? To love and good deeds. That's what is one of the results of fellowship. As some are in the habit of doing, they they are giving up meeting together. Examine yourself today before we come to communion. Are you giving up meeting together for circumstances in your life? Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The churches in the province of Asia and and, uh, send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their home. Some of these other verses I'm going to show you real quick are impossible to fulfill the exhortation that's in them by living a Sunday-to-Sunday type of faith. It's impossible to live these things out. So there's something more than the fellowship of Sunday to Sunday. 
Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, Galatians 6, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. How will we do that without fellowship? If I'm in sin, how are you able to restore me if we don't have fellowship with one another? But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. You can't carry each other's burdens when you're too far apart from one another, when you don't know what's happening in each other's lives. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? One law I give to you, one commandment. We'll come to that. This verse in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You know what happens when iron sharpens iron? Sparks. Pieces of iron filings. Explosions sometimes. That's the beauty of fellowship. We get down and dirty in fellowship. We get to know, like, it's like, you know, when brothers live together in unity, it isn't just happy, happy, kumbaya. When brothers live together in unity, there's a commanded blessing because iron is sharpening iron and we're becoming more and more like Christ. It is part of the process of taking us from glory to glory. Let the message of Christ, Colossians 3, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish. That's a hard word, man. I had to look it up to see what it actually said in the Greek. And in the Greek, it actually says, warn and exhort and admonish the translation. It means all of that. So how do we do that if we're not seeing each other closely enough that we can see when something is off? That we can warn, hey, careful with that, Josh. You know, pull back a little bit. Now, I said Josh because there's two on there, and they, they're both going to think, oh, he's not warning me. He's warning the other Josh. But you know what I'm talking about. There's warnings that we can observe and help each other by encouraging one another, exhorting. Exhorting is to build up one another with all wisdom through him, psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit, singing to God. Of I love the, the Passion Translation for this verse. Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scripture, which is the word of Christ, as you teach and instruct one another. Teaching and instructing one another isn't just sitting here listening to Rob and me preach. It isn't going to small group and having Lara or Ara or whoever is leading at the, the other act small group speak into you. It is the one another. The one another is a critical component of fellowship. It doesn't happen by showing up Sunday 15 minutes early and lingering 15 minutes later. It is a daily, weekly, midweek, throughout the week interaction that's critical to our welfare and our well-being. And then he goes on and he says different things. And then he talks about the role of pastors and teachers and the fivefold ministers and the interactions, the apostle, the disciples, the evangelists. He says, submit to such people. I urge you, those that have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord, uh, I urge you, brothers, someone's at the door. Did you hear that doorbell? Yeah, okay, well, Amazon, I think. Anyway, 
<laughs> submit to those leaders. Submit to your small group leaders. Submit to your pastors. Submit to your worship leaders. I, I can go on on this one for a long time. You know, early days in our TCLG life, the issue of submission was so huge. Our elders were spoken of as being ruling with an iron fist. Submission is not demanded. It's given. Wives, submit to your husband. Doesn't mean the husband has the right to demand submission. Because the verse goes on and says, and husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And that command applies to all the ministers in the church. Now I ask you, brothers and sisters, acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, who admonish you, warn you, exhort you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. This is the more important part. We can love those above us in leadership, but ignore everybody else. But he says, love, live in peace with each other. It's not just with your leaders. It's with each other. And he gives some advice as to how to do that. He says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Wow, man. Hard words from, Tim, from, from Paul. Romans 16 says these words. I urge you. Brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way. that are contrary to the teachings that you have learned. Keep away from them. Wow. Separate yourself from them. Why? Because in Corinthians, Paul says these words. What I mean is this. One of you says, I am of Paul. I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas or Peter. And another still says, I am above all of you. I don't follow man. I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? And this is addressing the personality chasing thing. As to why people go to a specific context of church. Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No, you were baptized in the name of Christ. Oops. I'm going to jump down a little bit here to the words of Jesus in John 13. And Jesus says these things. This is a new commandment. Remember that law of Christ? A new commandment I give to you. Love one another. There's that one another bit again. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Going back to what we're talking about, our purpose as as City River, one of our core values is unity. Why? Because it demonstrates this fruit. It demonstrates our desire to love one another, to walk out that expression of unity despite all cost. Preferring one another instead of just protecting myself. Pouring myself into the lives of others. 
The churches as leaderships are pouring themselves into the lives of others, financially, physically, economically, teaching-wise, learning-wise, serving-wise, worship-wise, preaching-wise. We're pouring into one another to the point that it's indistinguishable what is of Acts, what is of ACN, what is of TCLG. Does that mean we become one church and forget about all that? I'm not convinced of that. Because then we're just uniform. But there's something in our oneness, in our distinctions. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. I'm going to skip down to this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this, But God has put the body together. We are that body, the family of God. At City River, we have many different components. Giving greater honor to the parts that are lacked, that, uh, that lacked it. Giving greater honor to the parts that are lacked it. Some of you never get FaceTime on these services. You're behind the scenes, the tech team, others. Some of you are just showing up faithfully every Sunday. You may turn your camera on, you may not. But God is giving greater honor to the parts that are hidden, not to the parts that are speaking and visible and leading and doing all of that, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. This is the foundation of Christian fellowship, to be concerned for one another, not just to be, for example, praying for someone because they had a car accident or they ended up in hospital or that you got word that they're not well, but those are all parts of it and they're excellent. I'm not despising them. But it's coming together for the purposes of serving together. So how do we do that on a practical level? How do we function? Well, we have different programs at City River. But this next thing I'm going to share with you isn't one of them. I'm not going to talk to you about a program. I'm going to talk to you about something that is the heartbeat of how we fellowship together. I'm going to talk to you about interaction throughout the week, through what we call small groups, cell groups, life groups, whatever name you want to put on it, that time where people get together throughout the week, today it's not physical because it's online, because of the restrictions. We hope that it will open up again and we'll be able to come into contact with one another without face masks and without social distancing and be able to hug and eat together and do all those things. But for now, it's online. So I'm going to urge you, if you are not already an active active member of a small group, I'm going to urge you, my ask of you today is this, become engaged, get yourself messy with others, live in fellowship with others, interact with others through small groups, go to cityriver.com. And when you get there on the landing page, right at the bottom, I don't know if you can see it, it's a Sunday service, 11.15 a.m., the bottom right corner there. It used to say under that, 
right after the service, prayer, cityriver.com slash live prayer. For the month of August, we're taking a break. The people that are ministering, we're giving them a month off until September, and we'll announce when it starts up again. So you won't be able to go to this live prayer after the service today if you have a prayer need, which is another reason why you should belong to a small group. Because in that small group, you'll be prayed for. You will be supported. You will be cared for. More interactions will happen. You will not fall, quote unquote, through the cracks and nobody will know what's happening with your life. People will know enough to pick up the phone, pray with you, pray for you, let others know to pray, figure out how to best live together and be an expression of love. So when you get to cityriver.com, Click on the word ministries up on the top there, right where the arrow is. And when you click that, a new page will open. When this new page opens, whether you're on a computer, like what this screen is showing, or on a, on a phone or tablet, on the phone, it's going to be just a column. It's not going to be two by two. When you get there, scroll down to small groups. And when you get the small groups, either click on the image or click on the word small groups. This will open up a new page. Fill out that form. Complete the form, and at the bottom, click Submit. What this will do, this is the altar call today. What this will do is it will connect you with someone who will follow up with you to put you in a small group where you will have the opportunity for fellowship, for interaction, to be able to put that process into place to help you move from glory to glory throughout the week so that the message that touches your heart on Sunday doesn't leak through the week until you need another boost on Sunday. It will keep your engine charged. It will keep your fuel tank filled. It will keep your life vital as you interact with one another and fulfill the command of Jesus. Deal? Those of you who are not today active in a small group, you may be already assigned a small group or have been assigned in the past, but you haven't been engaged. Get get on there. Get on there. Do this. Believe me, you will not regret it. Believe me, you will be the better for it. And so will the others. And so will I. We will all be better for it as we interact together. Don't think of this as one of the programs of City River. Think of it as the heartbeat of our fellowship and interaction process. With everything that I've said, I hope that you are motivated to do this. And as we come to the communion now, what this represents this is a cracker, Mary's crackers that are, I think these are gluten-free. Yeah, I think these are gluten-free. Uh, it's not part of a loaf, but the verse that I wanted to focus on as we come to the communion. No, someone's asking me, you want a loaf? Actually, yes. I want to make the point. This scripture from 1 Corinthians is written to a church that was troubled by division. It was written to a church that was flowing in the gifts, competing, as it were, 
were the things of the spirit. They had spoke, they were speaking in tongues and they had interpretations and they had confusion and prophets and speakers that would just talk over each other and all kinds of things that Paul was bringing correction to them. And he tells them in, in verse uh, 16 of chapter uh, 10, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, the cup of thanksgiving, a participation in the blood of the Lord? Of Christ, and is not the bread. Okay, here we go. This is a loaf. Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf. Now, physically, if we were at church together, we've done this with bread like this or challah. We actually break it and distribute it. Rob took us through a few weeks ago, last actually July, uh, first Sunday, about the individual aspect of communion. With our focus on fellowship today, if you can turn your cameras on, wonderful. If you can't, that's okay. But if you can, as we break this bread together, for as we are one body, there is one loaf, but we are all together one body. As I break this, I'm breaking it in the same way that Jesus broke it and passed it to the disciples. He blessed it and he passed it to them so that they all eat and recognize what Paul is saying here. We're all part of one body. There's one loaf. The actual loaf was the body of Christ that was broken for us and that was given to us. So as we break this bread, let us pray together. And if you have your camera on, even if you don't, look at some of the others on the screen and look at them, remember them as we're eating this bread. If there's a problem that you have with anybody around in the room here or others that are off the camera, pick up the phone today, call them, bless them, ask for forgiveness if you need to. Restore your relationship with them. For Paul later on, he says, if we eat and drink without recognizing the body of Christ, we bring judgment on ourselves. So let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for today. We want to thank you for this, your broken body. We ask that you bless us now with a renewed sense of purpose as to how we walk out unity amongst ourselves, and how we live it throughout the week. We thank you for what you have done with us to this point. We thank you for City River. And we thank you for all other churches across the world and across time that you have made us a part of. And we bless you as we eat this bread together. Go ahead. I'll now pass it to Rob to lead us in the next segment. Continuing in that same passage, 
when it speaks about the cup, it talks about a cup of blessing. And in line with what Hanny has shared about, <clears throat> I want to encourage each one of you, as you look at the screens or you look at the people who are in your cell group, to make an intentional choice to contact someone to bless them. Because the blood of Jesus brings us into that place of, of unity. And one of the best things about being in a community is that we can bless and encourage one another. And this is specifically, the cup is called a cup of blessing. Let's pray. Jesus, we first want to bless you because it's your sacrifice that makes it possible for us to have relationship, first of all, with you, a restored relationship with you. And Jesus, we want to thank you because your cup of blessing doesn't just extend on an individual basis, but we as a community can bless you as a community when we worship, but we can also bless each other. And Father, that you would begin to move in us to become a people of blessing, that we will be intentional rather than, oh, it just happened. It would be in our, first of all, in our community but it, then it would be in the community that you placed us in, at work, the relationships we have throughout the week. And it comes because of your incredible sacrifice, the cup of blessing that makes possible for us to be one with you. And because of that oneness, we're one with each other. So we honor you and thank you for the cup of blessing and we share it together. Let's take the communion together. Thank you, Jesus, for making a cup of blessing available to each one of us. We honor you, we honor all that you've been able to do and are going to do through us. I give it back to Sujin, who's gonna lead us in just a little bit more worship to be able to just bless God. <clears throat> 